This episode of Little Bit of Life podcast is brought to you by 310 Soap Company. I am so excited to share this company that I found on social media. They have the most incredible products. And when I'm saying incredible, I truly mean it. Their motto is be an original, ditch the toxins with paleo skincare. Shop vegan collection on their website at 310soapcompany.com. I am in love with their body butter as well as all of their products. I have been using the Body Glow. It is a body oil. I'm telling you, run, run and get this product. Make sure you check them out at 310soapcompany.com. It lasts, it works, and it's just better for you. Welcome to Little Bit of Life Podcast with your host, Tabitha, better known as Little. A lot of you may know her from social media, but Little is shown off the apps. Dedicated to having the real, raw, and occasional chats about what we seem to think, but don't say. Special guests will join in along the way that have impacted her in a profound way. Very little is left off limits, so sit back, enjoy, and here's your host. Welcome to Little Bit of Life. I'm your host, Tabitha, better known as Little on social media. It has been a while. Have you guys missed me? I've missed you. I have relocated from Arizona, which most of you know from all of my social media content is Little Cute One AZ, and I've just recently relocated to Texas. I am so excited to be a new Texas resident, and with that, I wanted to bring an incredible episode to your attention. We're all on TikTok, yes, and we all scroll that for you page, usually when we just need to pass the time. But what happens when a video comes up that really just shocks you? That's exactly what happened when I found my next guest. Her name is Katie. She is a mother of three. And she posted a video that went viral on TikTok explaining her third labor and delivery experience with her daughter. Needless to say, medicine sometimes just isn't on our side. And we truly, as women, know our bodies. So this episode is very special to me for all of those moms out there that may be expecting soon to be labor and delivery, or you may just be interested to hear Katie's story. Let's dive in and let's get started. Hey guys, welcome in another episode of Little Bit of Life Podcast with Little. I have TikTok, you guys have seen me all over the place, and I always like to find those stories that seem to pop up on your For You page that pretty much just break the mold of, like I say in the motto, what we seem to think but don't say. I have a very special guest on with me today. Her name is Katie. She is a mother that went on TikTok, that social media platform, shared her story, both positive and negative feedback. But this episode is so special to me. This is for the moms out there. We're doing this episode talking about listening to your body versus listening to what doctors think that they know from schooling and from experience. So Katie, welcome on. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited that you're here to share your story. Um, Your videos have gone absolutely viral, and it is incredible to me the feedback and the support, both positive and negative, that you've got. So go ahead and have listeners kind of understand your story and what life looks like for you. Yeah, it's crazy. I was not expecting those videos to blow up at all. Like, I'm still very shocked about the amount of people that have seen them. So basically in January of 2020, I went to go be electively induced. Um, I was never told about the dangers of elective induction or Pitocin at all. Um, And everything, you know, it was perfectly fine. Labor was going good until it wasn't. 
I had a uterine rupture and it was ignored. I kept telling the nurse, you know, something is wrong, something is wrong. I feel like I'm dying. I literally feel myself dying. I was explaining to her the pain that I felt. It was like the most intense pain you could ever feel in your entire life. You literally feel a pop in your side Mm -hmm. and then it's followed by like it the only way to explain it is if like somebody lit a match in your abdomen and then just took a bunch of razor blades and just kept cutting you and cutting you over and over and I was explaining this to her and she just she never said anything she held my legs together and told me it was just push pain and this went on for almost two hours until the doctor finally walked in and she was just as unconcerned the only thing that she cared to talk about was the fact that we didn't want any medical intervention for our child in regards to the erythromycin cream or vaccinating her. And she was not happy that we wanted to keep the placenta. And, you know, I told her the same thing too. Like, I'm like, you know, I need a C-section. Something, something is wrong. And she was like, no, it's just easier for you to push since you already had so many kids prior. So I tried to push um, and it didn't last long. I think maximum 28 minutes before I ended up passing out from internal bleeding. And then they finally did the C-section. And when they opened me up, they saw that I was absolutely right. There was something wrong. I had a severe uterine rupture. Um, I was probably less than a minute from death. And my daughter was already deceased inside of me. Um, They did the surgery to repair my uterus and all that. And there was one doctor in there, one doctor, who saved our little girl, one doctor. Everybody else gave up on her. Mm -hmm. Um, He took, I think it was between 10 and 17 minutes to do multiple rounds of CPR on her. And he intubated her and he started cooling her. He did all these amazing things to save her life and ultimately make her live to today. Mm. With all of the videos that you've uploaded, it seems to be kind of the common question right off the bat. Was your pregnancy normal, especially for maybe first time mom listeners out there? Were there any signs that prepared you before you went into labor or was your pregnancy pretty much normal up until that point? Yeah, I mean, it was completely normal. I never had any issues at all. I was super healthy. I even worked out during my pregnancy. Like, I had a really enjoyable, really calm, relaxing pregnancy. I had no physical issues. The only the only thing that would have warned me about this prior to happening are like the gut intuition feelings that I had. And it wasn't anxiety because people keep asking, well, I have anxiety. I have anxiety. Well, I have anxiety too. But it was two totally different feelings. Like my anxiety is more like I get sweaty and like I, I get jittery. It's It's hard to explain. But these gut feelings that I had were very physical. Like I was having very vivid dreams, very vivid daydreams. I felt like I felt huge weights on my body all the time. Like it was very, very physical, whereas my anxiety is more mental. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to explain, but I definitely had gut intuitions that something was going to happen before it did. Wow. It's amazing to me when we do these types of topics um, because we're always so trusting, I guess is the best word to use when we are going to an emergency room, we're going to labor and delivery, we're going for anything, but especially having a child, you're trusting not only your life, but your child life is in the hands of people that understand that they know what they're doing in case something were to happen. It's incredible to me, especially when you were telling your story of, especially on the platform of 
the reason we're doing this, women, we have a very special intuition. We just, mm -hmm. we have that gut feeling and we just know. So all of the excuses and the poor excuses that were provided to you as you were there, like, I know my body, like you said, you've had children before. This wasn't something new. This wasn't like the first time and you knew something was wrong and they still continue to give you poor healthcare. So how did that happen? Like with your, with your husband there? I, I mean, I know in one of the videos and for those that are listening, make sure you go check out all of her videos on TikTok and follow along this journey. Um, you even put in, which I thought was incredible. You even put in one of the videos that your intuition, like even when you went to go get induced, like you just had a feeling not to say like you weren't excited, but it just felt like something wasn't right. Uh, yeah. Like it felt wrong. You know, like when we went to go give birth to our now five-year-old, like, we were so excited. We got up early. We got there early. Like we were ready. We were, we were amped up this time around. Like we got there, we woke up late. We got there late. We sat in the car an extra 20 minutes. Like we just, we were so silent the way there. It was weird. It was just, it's so hard to explain, but it was weird. It was just very dark and we weren't excited. We both felt like that it just wasn't time to have a baby. We we're like, just today just doesn't feel like we should be having a baby. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it did the last few times. Mm -hmm. It was a very odd feeling. It's hard to explain, but it was a very, very dark feeling. But we both had the exact same feeling. And it's weird, too, because he was texting his, I think, his best friend. Um, he had asked if, you know, he texted him, hey, like, do you guys need anything? Have you had the baby yet? Whatever. And he, he had texted him. He was like, no, but something just doesn't feel right. I just, I don't feel right right now. Something doesn't feel right. He kept telling his friend, like, something just didn't feel right. The room felt really, really dark. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's crazy that, that we just physically know these things before they happen. With what you said earlier in the start of this interview, it was a it was a choice, obviously, as parents of what you choose in your birth process. And I feel like the the more our generations are changing, we as women are able to make choices that I mean, even our parents and our grandparents weren't able to make, especially when it comes to, you know, birth and what you choose to have and not have, especially like vaccines for your children and stuff like that. You you kind of mentioned that you had a little bit of a pushback from your physician due to your birth choices. Was that correct? Very correct. She was not thrilled whatsoever that we did not want any um, erythromycin cream, no vaccination, and she was not pleased at all that we wanted to keep the placenta. That's all she kept saying as she was telling me to push. Like She'd be like, push. You really can't keep this placenta. You can't keep it. Like She was adamant that we did not keep the placenta. It was just, it was strange, you know, because we kept it before we didn't vaccinate our last two kids or have a rhythm, nothing like that. And everybody was so supportive. We never had any, any lashback at all. But this time this woman was, she was, I don't know. She just was pissed that we did not want the things that she wanted us to have. And that's so disturbing to me, especially I worked in the medical field for so long that it's your body. It's your choice. It's your partner's yes. choice. It's your family's choice. And that's why I really wanted you on today to talk about this for people that are listening and maybe first time moms. I have a great friend of mine. She's actually an ER nurse and she's pregnant for the first time. And it's amazing because she's talking about the pushback she's getting in the medical community that she works in of I'm choosing not to vaccinate. I'm choosing to have a doula versus a regular doctor. And it's like, I don't understand why if society we're changing in such a positive way, why medicine is not changing with our choices as women. 
I completely agree. I completely agree. It makes no sense. Like everybody preaches my body, my choice until it comes down to my body, my choice. It, I don't understand it whatsoever. Physicians are always like, oh, you know, you have the power to choose. You tell me. And then when we do, they're like, oh, no, that's not okay. That's not okay. It's like they push this narrative that we should be able to, you know, give them ideas of what we want to do with our bodies and stuff. And then when we do, it doesn't fit their narrative. It's like if it's not making them the money that they want, they'll just they'll just dismiss you completely because I know, I know, I know that that woman did not want us to keep our placenta because she knows that she could sell it and get tons of money, tons of money. I swear by this because umbilical stem cells are, are amazing. The things that umbilical stem cells can do is just, it's, it is amazing. Like when you get time, research it. We go down to Florida every year to get our daughter infused with umbilical stem cells, donor ones every year. It's supposed to like, if you get like a knee injury or something like that, if you tear a meniscus, you can go get stem cells and it's supposed to help rebuild the meniscus from the inside out without needing surgery. And it's kind of like the same thing with the brain. It's supposed to help rebuild the cells that were um, killed off during injury. They're just, they're great. So I swear that woman did not want us to keep our placenta just for that reason. I worked in the field of OBGYN and and it was amazing to me. We did a lot of high risk pregnancies. Um, I live in Arizona. We have one of the best hospitals here in Arizona for pregnancies that have to do with multiples. Um, And it's always interesting because I had such a division between all of the providers that were within the office of talking about the placenta. And when we look at it, I mean, it's being encapsulated now. It's great for the mother. And so many Mm -hmm. people are not on board with what the human body, what the female body is made to do. And versus, I mean, we talk about postpartum and then we talk about, you know, when traumatic things like this happen, it's there is not a just straight line from A to B when it definitely comes to childbirth. Every single woman is different. Every family choice is different. So it, I can't say it shocked me when you said, yeah, you know, like the doctor kind of gave us a kickback on this stuff because it seems to be that there is more and more of a negative persona based on women choosing things for their own health care and their children's health care in the future. Oh, it's true. It is 100% true. Like it's very hard. It was very hard for us to find um, a primary care pediatrician because we don't vaccinate our kids. Like it, it took a few go rounds to be able to find somebody who was willing, you know, to listen to our concerns and our wants and stuff like that. It's like doctors, they just won't listen to you unless you're going to push their narrative and go along with their narrative. Like, like why my body, my choice, right? Everybody preaches that. Well, why not my body, my choice when it comes to a vaccine mm-hmm. or a medication? It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. With um, the birth, after you completed the birth and everything happened, what was your recovery time? How long were you in the hospital? Um, for listeners that may not have seen your videos so far, what did life look at immediately following your birth experience? Um, it's a little, little bit hazy. I was in the hospital for five days until I had a catheter. I was on a morphine drip. I was very in and out for the first few days. But when they finally started taking out my catheter and taking me off the morphine drip and I woke up, um, I immediately went to the hospital to go see Jolene because she was in a different hospital than I was. They took her an hour and a half away from me because the hospital that I gave birth in did not have a NICU that she needed. Like they just had, um, 
what do you call it? It's like a level three or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't remember what they're called, but it was like a standard NICU mm-hmm. where, you know, if the baby comes out and needs a little bit of care, but uh, the NICU that she was in was in like the highest level NICU because she had to be cold and she needed intubation. She was in a medically induced coma for a while. So her and I were in two separate hospitals and it took me physically let's see, January, probably about two months, honestly, to physically heal from everything that I went through. Mm -hmm. And the surgeon who did my uterine repair, she sewed me together upside down. Um, So I was explained when I had my hysterectomy last year, that that's why it took me so long to recover was because I was sewn upside down. So it was, it was rough. It was really, really really rough to recover from that. Wow. And I can't even imagine what that toll takes on not only having a new baby, bringing that, you know, bringing your child into your household, but the stress of everything and the traumatic experience you went through. And then also now what life looks like for your child. How does this affected your marriage, your partnership, your mental health? Because we always talk on this podcast about mental health. And when we go through traumatic experiences, it's something that will obviously be with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, it it definitely took a toll on our marriage. We have become more of like co-parents just living together, you know, like we don't really have a romantic relationship anymore Mm -hmm. because it's hard to just go out on a Friday night or a Saturday night because Jolene requires so much care and we've only trained one other person to do it because we just, it's hard to trust anybody with a child who's so fragile. So like we have a, we have a really good connection, my husband and I. And we talk about everything and we share everything. It's just the romantic part of our relationship is pretty much gone. Mm-hmm. And my mental health went to complete shit after all this. Complete shit. Like, I was a pretty healthy, happy person before all this. And then after this, I got diagnosed with PTSD and BPD and anxiety and depression and all sorts of stuff. Um, I haven't told anybody on my platform. My husband's the only other person that knows this. I went down a really dark hole and I started using drugs to kind of fill in the void of sadness that I felt Mm -hmm. because we were living in the NICU for three months and I was away from my other children. It was just a very, very, very hard time. So while we were there, I just, my doctors, they didn't care to to help or anything. They were just like, here, keep taking these pills, keep keep taking these pills. You want them, here you go. So I did. I just kept taking them, taking them, taking them until... One day I just, I took way too many and um, I had to go to the hospital and it was just, it was rough. It was kind of like a, like an eye opener that I needed help. Mm -hmm. So I went, when we got back home from the NICU, I went to see my primary care physician. I explained to her everything that was going on, everything that I did. And she put me on some antidepressants and got me into therapy. And it's, it's really, really helped. It it helped a lot. Mm -hmm. With your daughter, um, being being in such a fragile state, and like I said, for those that have not followed your story or may be aware, um, what condition did the birth experience, because like you said, they worked on her for so long. So what has this done now to your daughter? And for those, like I said, that haven't seen any of your videos, um, I know that you always post on there talking about like special needs and taking care of a child. So what does Jolene struggle with as of now? Everything, literally everything. 
she went from being a perfectly healthy, perfectly normal baby living inside the womb to having a severe traumatic brain injury. Um, like she'll never be able to walk. She probably will never be able to talk. She can't, she's almost three. She can't sit on her own. She can't swallow. She only sees out of one eye. She only hears out of one ear. Um, she's pretty much in like a three month old state and she'll pretty much be a three month old for the rest of her life. She struggles. She struggles a lot and both of her lungs are very, very unstable. She has her, her left, I think it's her left lung that has a really dark damaged spot on it and it's been getting worse over the last year. So her doctors are trying to make a plan, you know, because if the spot keeps growing, obviously her lungs are going to fail and it's going to take her life. So we're just trying to extend her life as long as we can without putting her in any pain. Mm-hmm. And what does this do, obviously, with your family dynamic? You have other children. How does this, I mean, you have appointments and doctor's appointments and specialists. And like, how does this work for those that may be listening that may be struggling right now, maybe in a similar situation with healthcare and, you know, dealing with insurances and still holding your household together while still caring for the needs of your new child. It's exhausting. It took a really long time to get in a rhythm. And I had a really sweet nurse before we left the NICU. And she told me that she was like, it's going to be hard. You're going to go home and you're going to have no idea what you're doing. You're not going to know what you're doing for a really long time. She was like, just figure it out. I know it's hard to hear this, but she was like, you're just going to have to figure it out. And she was right. I did. I, I got into a rhythm. I figured it out. I, I learned Jolene completely, you know, top to bottom. I knew her needs, her cues and everything like that. I scheduled all of her appointments while my kids are in school. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to explain, but I just got in a rhythm of doing everything that needs to get done according to Jolene. Like if she's sleeping, I'll take that 30 minutes that she's sleeping and I'll do the laundry and I'll wash the floors and I'll clean her syringes and the dishes and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was difficult at first, you know, but it's like, you just, you just have to get into a rhythm that works best for your, your household. I absolutely love her name. So I was so curious to have you on. How did you, um, pick her name? I I think it's absolutely beautiful. (laughs) Everybody always asks, they're they're like, why Jolene? (laughs) Okay, so my father-in-law, he passed away in 2018, and him and my husband were super close. And my father-in-law, his favorite singer was Dolly Parton. Mm -hmm. So when we were picking Jolene's name, we were like, we want to incorporate my father-in-law's name some way. And we were like, you know, like, what what can we possibly do? And we were driving home from the ultrasound that we got to find the gender. And I was like, what about, like, taking, you know, his favorite song, his favorite singer and just picking a name out of one of those songs. And then Jolene, we both just like blurted out Jolene. (laughs) I love it. I love that name. It's so beautiful. We love it too. So if we have maybe um, a listener that might be going through something similar, um, maybe taking care of a special needs child, what would your advice be now after the three years of, like you said, finding your rhythm and finding what works for you versus what Google and the internet tries to make your life out to be? Oh man, definitely one, take care of yourself. You get lost being a special needs mom, just being a special needs mom. Like it is a 24 seven, 365 job. Like I have to get up during the night to give Jolene medicine and stuff. So I take at least every other Sunday or every other Saturday, at least one or two days a month where I just leave and I turn my phone off and I do whatever I want and I'm gone for as long as I want. So definitely self-care, super, super important. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Like I sometimes just go sit at the park by myself and just watch the birds. 
It's just nice to be alone. Mm -hmm. But definitely, definitely the biggest thing that will help, you have to have help. And so many people are like, I don't have help. I don't have. Well, luckily, when you have a special needs child, almost every state has, well, I'm sure every state has Medicaid. Most states are obviously better than the other, but they will always, always, always offer like nursing or some sort of support, you know, so it, you just, you have to have help. I know that most moms, like I hate having help and I hate asking for help, but you you have to have it because doing this alone, it will definitely tear you down physically and mentally. So definitely help and don't trust. Do not trust everything the doctors tell you, because if I had listened to what the doctors told me, our child wouldn't be alive. If I had listened to what the doctors told me, we would have, she would have had so many more surgeries than she's had. Like research everything. If they tell you to take Tylenol, research it compared to what your child's diagnoses are. Like so many medications do not mesh well with certain diagnoses. Um, Like my daughter can't take Benadryl because it could cause a seizure because she's epileptic. Like there's just so many things that the doctors have told us where I'm like, eh, you know what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to pull out some books real quick and I'll get back to you in like a week. And turns out what they said was wrong. And I'll show them like, hey, you told us to do this or told us to take this. Well, I read that it meshes with one of her diagnoses and they'll be like, oh, you know, like, I am so sorry. Like her doctors tell me all the time that I'm probably one of the best moms that they've ever come in contact with because I do so I do almost all the work by myself. So definitely don't trust the doctors all the way um get help you're gonna need help and self-care I feel working in medical it's always it's almost like this godly feeling when doctors come in and they say you know well I've been doing this for you I mean they almost peer I hate to say this but they peer pressure you into oh well I have experience you don't I went to school you didn't I'm the doctor you're the patient but that's why we have you on today to you are your own advocate as the patient. And it's very important. I always tell people this, whether you're in childbirth, whether you have a, a, a strange disease with infectious disease that no one knows what it is, or you're just down to the common cold. The only person that knows your body best is you. And there's nothing wrong with so-called going against the grain and going against a provider. And, and I feel that in this generation of, I mean, let's be real, of vaccines coming out left, right, and center, new medications, pharmaceutical companies trying to make money, we need to step up and advocate for ourselves because they will not advocate for you. I agree 100%. It is just insane. Like, kid, they're putting kids, four or five-year-old kids on ADHD medicine and Adderall, like all sorts of stuff because the kid is sad. It's just, it's crazy. Like the doctors and the pharmaceutical companies, they're like, push this pill, push this pill, push this pill. And then when the kid is 17 years old, shooting up heroin in the corner with his friends, nobody understands why. Oh God, how did we get to this point? How do we get to this point? Well, gee, it's because you put your kid on fucking Adderall when he was three years old because he was bouncing off the walls. Like it's, they just, every, everybody is just a pill pusher or a vaccine pusher. Like pump this into your body, pump this into your body, pump this into your body. But like we, like you said, we have to advocate for ourselves. We have to, we have to research everything, look up everything. Like even if it takes a week, a month, make sure what you're putting into your body is what you want to go into your body. Mm-hmm. With going on social media and that dreaded platform TikTok, it is so great for so many things. And then it has a nasty dark side to it. I've been on there for two years and 
seeing and reading your comments, your one of your videos came up on my for you page, and I'm like, this is amazing. Like the I have to say, I am so in awe of you, not only as a woman and speaking out against what happened against providers, because I feel like it's a lose-lose situation, but then to go on that platform and say what happened, the negative comments is just mind-baffling to me. There are some nasty people out there that are like questioning you as a female and as a parent, like... I mean, I saw one that was that you responded to like, well, if you really had a uterine rupture, you would have this. And I'm like, where are these people coming from? Yes. Oh my God. That was like the favorite thing. I swear to God, I was literally just got done with dinner with my husband. And I was like, Robbie, look at this comment. He was like, you know what? He's like, go in the bathroom, pull down your pants and just show her. He's like, that is the most ridiculous comment I've ever seen. She had the nerve to say, if you had a uterine rupture, you'd have a scar. Um, well, honey, okay, first of all, I don't walk around on TikTok with my clothes off. So that's probably why you didn't see my scar. And second of all, you could have just asked, like, I just showed it to you. I don't really care. No shame. Yeah. Do you feel that it has given you a larger support system and you've been able to like connect with others or has it also affected like your mental health with what you're going through on the day-to-day process? Because like we said, people are just, people are nasty. They make the most Mm -hmm. rude, disgusting, derogatory comments. And not only just about you, but about your child. Like I just sit there like, how were we, like, what rock did you crawl out from underneath? How were you raised? Right? Like, how did humanity get so low that you have to tell a mom to shoot her child or to hang her child from a tree? I literally just blocked a dude last night who told me that I was clearly a drug addict during pregnancy because my baby has a fucked up brain full of mush. I was like, what in the f- Who raises people like this? My kids would never. I know people always say my kids would never, but my kids would never. It's insane. Being on there has definitely done a little bit of both. You know, like I've made some really good friends. I've shared my phone number with, like I would love to set up, you know, times to meet them in person. Like I've definitely connected with a few really good people, but then there's also, there was a point in time where TikTok was, was really fucking with my mental health. Like it was, it was bringing back really dark thoughts and mm-hmm. it was bad. So I, I took a break for a little bit. I made both of my accounts private and I just took some time. And then I came, you know, I talked to my therapist and I I came back. I was like, you know what? I am not going to let the opinions of a negative, uh, the negative opinions of a stranger hurt me. Like if you're not paying my bills, sleeping with me or raising my kids, why am I going to let your dirty negative opinion get to me? You know, like I just kept that thought, like you're not paying my bills. You're not sleeping with me. You're not raising my kids. I'm not going to let you hurt my feelings. So rather than like taking the comments that I was before and letting them hurt me, I just immediately started blocking people, block, block. Like, I block people left and right. I do not care. Mm-hmm. But some of the comments I do, like, that one about the scar, I thought that was hilarious. So, obviously, I had to respond to that. And then, like, the ones where the dude had called my daughter a vegetable, I was like, let me just take this time to educate you a little bit. Like, I'm not going to let anybody piss me off ever. And like I said, you're paying my bills, sleeping with me, or raising my kids. You are not going to have any room in my in my aura at all. You are not going to bring me down. Mm-hmm. Every time I see one of your response videos, I'm always like, yeah, go get them. I got to <laughs> this one. I got to hear this one because I try, especially on that platform. I always try and encourage people, even for the last two years I've been on there of we are all here with an open mind. If you cannot support someone or learn something from someone's story, then you shouldn't be here. 
And I agree. Like so many people sit there and use it. And it's like, this is such an incredible tool to connect the community through struggles to strengths versus this idea of perfection that society has placed on us. Like you have to have the perfect child. You have to be the perfect parent. You have to be the perfect wife. Well, there's things in life that happen. Let's be real that no one is perfect. And if I have a listener on here, that's perfect, please send me your email. Cause I would love to have you on. There yes. is, there is no rule book when it comes to being a wife, a mother, a woman, like there's no rule book. But then when you add in a special needs child, everything that you've learned goes completely out the window. Yep. It's, it's so true. So true. And everybody just thinks that, oh, you know, my child did this or my child does this or your child should too, or I look like this. So you should too. Everybody just pushes perfection, like cosmetic surgery. Everybody is getting cosmetic surgery because you get on TikTok and you see all these girls with their perfect bodies and their perfect noses and their perfect lips and everything. And it just, it makes other girls, like young girls want to look exactly like that. And then you see the perfect families on TikTok with their perfect kids and they eat their vegetables and they do this. So then other moms, they get upset. Like, well, why doesn't my kid do that? Why won't my kid do that? Just TikTok was not meant to bring people's mental health down. TikTok was supposed to be there to, you know, make people smile, make people happy, show people that there are good things still in the world and educate people. Not like so many people just use it to be mean and be evil and it's just, it's gotten out of control the past few months. Mm-hmm. The the one question that I was really shocked by, and it seems to be another ongoing one that is in most, if not all of your videos, is the prognosis, the long-term prognosis. And I think it's amazing to me because everybody in life wants an answer. And it's, you never expected this to happen. The doctors never expected this to happen. But you, every day is a new day. And it's amazing to me that people want to know, like, well, what is your daughter's, pro- how how long will she live for? Will she be able to do this? Will she be able to do this? So how does that, I guess, fall into play with you? You Obviously, you're her mother. You're with her every day. You see her take steps forward. You see her take steps back. And how does that work, you know, with the doctors? Like you said, you go and read books and and you're very educated on what is best for your daughter versus what medicine has for a prognosis for her. Yeah, honestly, she really doesn't have one. And I don't want the doctors to tell me if they if they know, you know, she wasn't even supposed to make it to three months. And then they change it to, oh, she'll never make it to, make it to six months. And then they change it to, Ooh. she'll never make it to a year. Ooh. So mm-hmm. I just kind of like, through that out, you know, like, it's very unclear. And not only that, but I really don't want to know. I feel like if I knew that she was going to die on December 3rd, 2045, like I would just be focusing on that day and not making really, really well. So like, yeah, people do want to know that question a lot. The questions that people want to know are, are just crazy. Like, like, what? What gives you that audacity to ask that? I mean, obviously, most of the questions I don't mind, but some of, some of them I just got to wonder. But her prognosis, unclear, unknown. I don't know. But I would definitely say I give myself props 100% for getting her this far. Like, if she didn't have a mom like I did, there's no way she would make it this far. Her doctors will even agree that there's just, there's no way she would have made it this far without a mom who was determined to look at all of the aspects, all of the possible treatments, like literally everything. Like I have gone and we've traveled, like I said, to Florida to do stem cells Um, for about six months when she was a year. 
we traveled two hours one way to do HBOT, which is hyperbariatric oxygen treatment. We did that for six months every day. Like, I refuse to give up. If there's anything that comes out, I will I will research it 100% to see if it could help her. I have to just commend you for not only, like I said in the, in the start of this, sharing your trauma because every time you make a video, it takes you back to that day. And with PTSD and going through everything that you did, it's something that haunts you and, and it's a process. You have to work through it every day. But I have to state, I am, like I said, in awe of you as a woman and as a mother standing up for yourself, standing up for your daughter against people who, like you said, you're not, you're not feeding me. You're not sleeping with me. You're not paying my bills. You're not parenting my children, but it's almost like once you share her story, it's you've invited the world in. And so I have to say, thank you for being so vulnerable and honest with the world, especially with what you're going through and what you continue to go through, because I don't think I'd be strong enough. I would probably tell people to kick rocks and be like, mind your own damn business. And I want nothing to do with this, but I love that you're doing this and being so brave and open and, and honest because I feel like your story and I thank you for coming on, especially during your busy day, because I think if there's <laughs> one listener that may, this might change somebody's life because it's okay to go against the grain. It's okay to huh? challenge your physician, especially when your body is telling you that there is something wrong. Yes, I completely agree. I appreciate that so much. Seriously, I, I said when I first started sharing her story back in February, maybe I said, you know what? I am willing to relive all the bad thing that happened to us if it can save somebody, if it can help somebody. Like I just, I want to be able to grow a big enough following that I can start a nonprofit or some sort of community help to help other moms. Because I've had other moms reach out, special needs moms, and they're like, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I'm just like, I got you. I got you. Like, let me help you. I just, I just want to help people. I want to help other moms like me. Like I had to search for my own help and search our first year home from the NICU. So if I can just help just one mom, one mom on her first day home from the NICU, that's all I want. I just want to help somebody. Mm -hmm. Well, I thank you for coming on. I will put all of your information, including your TikTok um, and your Instagram in the bio. So that way, if we have a listener, if you're going through something, if you have questions um, or maybe you have a special needs and you just want that support system or someone that knows maybe what you're going through on the day to day, I would love to put your information. Please, please go get educated, watch her videos, listen to her story. And like we've talked about in this in this episode, Listen to your body and be able to speak up. You are your own advocate because you are the patient at the end of the day. Yes, I agree 100%. If you need help, come to me. I got you. I am willing to help you in any sort of way that I can possibly help you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Little Bit of Life. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow on your favorite platform and interact with the podcast Facebook as well as on Instagram at littlecute1az. We'll see you next time.